Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. This is a podcast from Minute Media. to Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's holding its own convention in a casino that's also a bachelorette party. I'm Alex. When you wander through darkness for as long as we do, uh, and you see a a little candle flame in the distance. You run toward it. You get your hand on it. And all you can do is laugh. <laughs> I'm Justin Bartilov. <laughs> oh my god, this is gonna be a tough app. Oh, are That's you Pete? Good. Are you Pete? Yeah, I said it. Oh, well, okay, I cut out for a second. All right, sorry oh. about that. Riverdale Season 6, Episode 17, Chapter 112, American Psychos. Now, oh, yeah. lots to talk about here. Lots going on beyond that evil laugh at the beginning. I believe that was a request made of you, Justin. Is that correct? Uh, request and dedication, Delilah style. <laughs> <laughs> that evil laugh goes out to the bar. Yeah, there stands. we go. Let's try not to and make it, this. And that's not, that's yeah. not an attack on you, Pete. Um, it this seems is like a wild... No, it's not. That's just um, a laugh is a, f- a free expression. Uh, it's hard to, to slight someone for laughing. Well, even I if hear it was you, a, a requested evil laugh. Yeah, yeah. When it's organic and happens at the moment, I agree with that statement. But when it's I certainly didn't plan made it. up and planned and then executed in an evil uh, manner that also uh, makes it seem like you're coming at somebody or a group of people with beliefs, it's a little hard. That was what I thought that was a joyful laugh. Did I miss? Maybe I did a made a poor acting choice. <laughs> uh, I am a classically trained actor, but maybe I made the wrong choice. All There's right. so much to talk about in this episode in general, even beyond the last uh, 90 seconds. Yes. Well, we and should have a we should have a morning meeting where we just sit around in the kitchen and talk about ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you saying we should plan? This podcast? No, I think he's talking about the Veronica, Betty, Archie, oh, Charles, okay. and right. Alice meeting an agent, Drake, that was like, yo, you guys Just, know each other? Yeah, <laughs> and we're all going to come over for coffee in the morning and talk about... Before we get there, though, lots to recap to get you into this episode, because a lot is going on. As I mentioned at the beginning here, Betty 
and Veronica are planning SlaughterCon, a serial killer convention. This is specifically to trap the trash bag killer, TBK, who has been menacing Betty for years, going all the way back to the break between seasons. She was trapped in a well by him for two weeks and was only allowed to escape when she ghost style dismembered a body with him. But he has come to Riverdale. He has left Riverdale. They've had this whole will they, won't they thing going on. And we finally oh resolved that in this episode. I mean, that's what they're going for. Let's be honest. So no. yeah. that's, oh, that's what they're that playing one. with. That's the whole theme of the episode. Anyway, the other will they, won't they going on here, though, is the, Agent Julian Drake, they, they? the supernatural. We could definitely get into that. I think that's a thing for discussion. It's a fun topic. But, yeah, it's fun. I think this is all going to be very fun. Do I think the answer is won't they? Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we also got Agent Drake, who is the supernatural expert at the FBI, has been working with Betty. There's clearly been a flirtation going on there that comes to the front here. Other characters that you probably need to know are Charles, who is also worked for the FBI, but was also a serial killer and is the brother of Betty. He nearly died in the previous episode, but was saved by Veronica's poison sucking powers. She worked as a human dialysis. <laughs> Machine and, and all is forgiven with old Chuck. Yeah, yeah just hang out in a row. Speaking of all is forgiven, Alice and Betty have been clashing the past couple of episodes as Alice has been under the thrall of Percival Pickens, aka PP, as I like to call him, and nobody else in the podcast likes to call him. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he's <laughs> he left been, a real gap there for you, Pete. Yes, I did. I paused for a second. Come on, PPP. Is that a pregnant pause? Oh, a, that's good. It's a, that's it's good. a pregnant. It's a pregnant pee 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 pause. Oh boy, that's too many. That's, that's, that's what uh, old PLP was going for with the oh, PP. Boy. <laughs> what you you left it up to that by having those initials from birth? <laughs> sure, <laughs> you fell in your own trap here, buddy. Uh, uh, anyway, you, you peed in your own pee pee trap. Yes. So Percival Pickens has been trying to take over Riverdale, also build a ghost train. He's been sparring with Archie, who has been a union leader and unionized everybody to fight back, along with Tabitha Tate, who has been using Pops as a home base to rally the resistance against Percival Pickens, both from the union perspective and otherwise. She has also moved Pops, thanks to some friendly ghosts, into El Royale, Archie's oh, yeah. box. I forgot gym. about the ghosts. <laughs> right? There's a lot going out of the show, guys. Uh, meanwhile, well, Veronica, as we mentioned, kind of hinted at, but didn't outright mention, has uh, owns a casino called the Babylonium. She's killed a bunch of people, including her husband. Her so she probably she flexes on, on him, flex yeah. on Betty today. And a guy named Geraldo. <laughs> you haven't killed as many people as I have. But and it's like, yo, Betty stop Veronica, listing your murders, lady. Betty and Veronica have also rekindled their friendship, which is pretty fun. Also yes. kind of working at the casino off and odd is Kevin, who is the musical act there. We get to see a little bit more of that this episode. Yeah, he has been in a Kevin custody up. battle with Tony and Fangs for custody of baby Anthony. Also on the opposite end of that. Oh, we should mention Tony and Fangs uh, decided to get married in the previous episode. Things are moving very quickly, as they always do in Riverdale. Cheryl Block. Blossom, however, does not know about Tony and Fangs getting married until this episode. We'll get into that in a moment. But she has struck up her own flirtation with Heather, a witch from Greendale who was her childhood crush, who has re-entered her life and is schooling her in the ways of witchcraft because Cheryl is a witch and also can control fire. 
And mm. I'm sure there's like a million things that I'm missing here, but yeah. that's probably enough to start off with. So why don't we get into it? Uh, I'll throw this out here because I know I've been a little back and forth about the season. Backburdering the supernatural aspects in this episode, even with like a little bit of witchcraft going on here and some scant mm-hmm. mentions, made this one of my favorite episodes of the season so far. Oh, like this to wow. me felt like... Like, there was a lot of wildly crazy things going on here, but it felt to me like there was a little more focus. It felt like a little bit more of previous seasons of Riverdale, and I had a lot of fun watching this episode. And you attribute that to the lack of the supernatural stuff? I think so, because the focus on Betty and the serial killer stuff, to me, this more felt like the Riverdale that I know and love than what we've Whoa. been watching this past season. Wow. See, I, just, I know that I feel sounds like very strong, but that, well, it's just my and feelings, I, I, I love this episode, too, um, for too many reasons. Well, but not even just the reason that you're insinuating, Pete. I thought this was a, just a great emotional episode mm-hmm. outside of that song about um, different high-end brands, which I was like, well, this is yeah. a struggle. I mean, an emotional song roller coaster where you have bread and roses, which is this powerful, uh, amazing song with a lot of history behind it, too. It's so superficial, and like we shop, it's it's an amazing range. Well, this is just to give a little bit of context here. I assume most of the listening audience knows this, but a lot of the songs from this episode, not all of them, were from American Psycho the Musical. American Psycho the yeah. Musical, the book was by Roberto Aguirre before he started Riverdale. Uh, the music uh, is by there you go. The music is Duncan by Duncan Sheik, Sheik who did, <laughs> did Spring Sheik. Awakening. Sheik. The Spring Duncan Awakening, Sheik. among other things. And of course, it is based on the book by Brett Easton Ellis. Uh, there was Brett Weston Wallace in the previous season, was a character who they were riffing off of as well. So it feels like they're bringing in a number of the backstage threads together here. And the superficial song you're talking about, like, that's one of the huge themes of American Psycho is it's all yeah. these people that are all surfacy. This dude, Patrick Bateman, is killing people and is so focused on brands. Almost nobody cares because they're all just focused on their careers and their lives. And that's it. And the surface. So that's where that song comes from. And to be honest, I thought that was pretty fun. Like everybody seemed to have such a blast doing that number. I yeah. enjoyed watching it. It was just it was in such stark contrast to an episode that had a ton of like emotionality to it. And I just thought the other songs were paired with that emotionality in a really Mm -hmm. good way. And this song was like, nah, we're just going to fuck around a little bit, (laughs) which is fine. But I do think it's funny that you're like, I finally enjoyed this because we didn't have to do so much supernatural stuff when SlaughterCon is insane. I would argue SlaughterCon is just as insane as everyone having superpowers this season, yeah. if not it's, more It's so. insane in a different way, though. It's an insane in a different way. But what's the like, difference? To me, yeah. to me, I'm like, all these are equally insane, I, and I'm just happy it. to be riding. Like, it's hard to describe, but there's something to me about the fact that, like, we're going to hold a serial killer convention at Veronica's Casino while Tony's bachelorette party is going on and Archie is off doing a union whatever thing that you know like he's off on his own thing with Tabitha in addition while Dr. Colonel in the background is holding autopsy demonstrations and also we're going to have a live call-in show where Alice interviews her own daughter about her trauma and never mentions that at any point that to me is the sort of wild stacking of things that goes on in Riverdale and makes it such a joy to watch and the superpowers thing just takes it to a level of unreality. We've talked about this so many times. See, I this know. is you. This is that's you. Know. This is That's you. so insane. It just doesn't work for me. I know. I get it. 
But it's a line. It's, it's a line that Jerry never be crossed, what's and yet it has. It's just crazy to me when you're like Jughead in a bunker hearing voices. Ah, no, that bothers me. Alice getting a call from TBK and not being at all sweating it, just being like, everybody listen up. This guy's yeah. trying to kill my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and you think that's one's normal and one's not? That's a it, you it's thing, not brother. Normal. Yeah. It's not normal, but Riverdale is not normal. There is a level of the... Sound like Jughead. There's a level of abnormality that runs throughout Riverdale for the first five seasons that that is consistent with. All right. Anyways, okay, let's, professor. Get, let's, let's get this started a little bit if we can. Let's start with the morning meeting and the fact that Veronica is a level of cold as ice. Is I don't even when she says, like, listen, I don't want to have like dead bodies on my property, please. Like, who the fuck are you, Veronica? Like, how it's. She's all over the place, and I feel like no, the start of the I, day. I feel like maybe I'm going to be the minority opinion on this episode, but I thought Veronica was totally consistent throughout this episode. She is laying down truths across the board, being a straight and upfront about everything. I loved it. What about I, I like when Veronica. she came at, uh, you know, the other FBI agent, agent who's in Drake. love with Betty? What was but, that talk about? But, that was weird. And not to, yeah, that was a little much, but also. As the episode showed us, she did the right thing because after that, Agent Drake was professional with Betty. Yes, but she definitely butted in in a seems like thing that was Drake not her place to go to jump T in there. A TBK's minion or something. It's like a little well, bit of like I have some theories we should talk about yeah, a little yeah. bit later on. Um, but we but uh, we can talk about that later. Just the the whole the fact that they're sitting around a table being like, okay, guys, here's the plan. We're gonna have SlaughterCon. It's gonna be sick. Think about all the people who would want to come to the murder capital of the world here, and the fact that they're just kind of like so cash about it. Like, oh wait, Betty, are you gonna be cool with this? Do you think this would be a little too much for you? Was just the casualness that that they're at a breakfast kind of nook having this insane conversation the first thing of the day was like i was like riverdale this is too much man we got to build into this like if this is how this episode yeah. is starting oh man and they delivered the it buckled up because it was an insane roller coaster from the jump in a great way because the thing i was thinking in that breakfast meeting was like what was the, that meeting like the second before they started talking? When he sat down, I was like, okay, this is Charles. He usually kills people in this house, but today he's just hanging out. Uh, Agent Drake, like just like the introductions must have been absolutely wild. Uh, Veronica, she um, used to date Archie, but now she's chill with me dating Archie. And I like Archie, but I'm also I'm sort of flirting over here. Agent Drake, when um, Archie's like, I'm going to come to the thing just to protect Betty. She's like, Fart face. Well, I don't like that boyfriend. I was like, yeah, everyone's just, uh, operating one ten. And but the um, fact that it was all just like insanity, insanity, and they're like, oh, but wait, are serial killers going to kill me? No, they don't. They don't kill where they eat. Everybody yeah, knows that. They oh, don't kill where relief. they eat. Onto the next order of business was just insane. And the last thing that I'll say about it that was so crazy was like, will Betty die? Who knows? But let's hope Kevin crushes his dance numbers. <laughs> equal was given equal weight. A couple of quick little notes that I wanted to mention from that scene as well, which I agree with you guys, was nuts. One, when they talk about the musical and Charles immediately says, Sweeney Todd, and Veronica says, alas, no. I think 
Camilla Mendez has been pushing for Sweeney Todd pretty much since the second season. Uh. So that was a little Easter eggy thing there. And also going back and watching this episode the second time, I initially didn't notice that like the Drake Archie thing is pretty much set up right there. They sort of spar over what Betty should be doing. There's just a very quick reaction there. And I thought that was really nice and subtle to like set up this thing that Archie doesn't even know is there. Like, he has no idea the entire episode. But setting up the Drake, as we talked about on previous episodes of the podcast, is attracted to Betty and likes Betty and is gunning for her in a romantic way. And she's pushing that. She's doing clearly the, like, come on, I'm a little more appropriate for you. I'm going to demean your boyfriend so you're going to look at me a little better, which obviously is not great, but it's set up very nicely right there. I think her presentation was very telling at SlaughterCon, mm-hmm. which was about um, hybristophilia, um, where it's like people becoming obsessed with uh, the the victims or the participants. It's their in, kink. Yeah, it's their kink. I think that might be her thing. Oh, yeah. And she's taking clearly it, laying it out for Betty. Like, this is my deal. This is where I'm really into you in this world, Lynn. This is where you live, so we should be together. Which and it's is interesting the way to TDK. Well, uh, TBK. I, it, I, I it's think interesting. It, oh, go ahead, Justin. Sorry. Well, let me just finish with the the two the two guys who show up there, or is it one guy twice? They look very similar. One guy twice. It's, it's the same guy. guy. He keeps coming back. Yeah, it's the same um, guy. It, it was the knife and then the gun. gun like I feel yeah. like Agent Drake was bringing them to Betty and then just observing this. Like she wanted to sort of watch that happen. And I also my theory is that the the TBK on the phone she somehow knew or is involved with that. Oh yeah. She believes that Dark Betty is the real Betty. And so she's like I believe so hard in that she's trying to pull it out with what happens here. Agreed. And I feel like it's uh she's in on it cuz the whole kind of planning of it and the whole like even the asking the questions about the mask and everything teeing up TDK's thing. And I got to give uh credit to the show like Having a normal speaker wouldn't have been so creepy. You got to dent in like an older speaker to really give it like that, like evil, you know, coming through mm. the phone into On the, the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really That's a very specific it, note. Yeah. So yeah. I generally agree with you guys about Agent Drake and that speech. I do think it could go either way. I think the connection there. It could be something like people have speculated, and I completely forgot about this. We were talking about the is she TBK's daughter. There was the whole thing where Betty decided, oh, he's a family man um, after she had her memories with Hal and remembered him. So it's possible, yes, she is TBK's daughter. That's why she's interested in him or something like that. And there is going to be one additional twist there. It could be the like she is trying to push her to serial killer, or it could just be a setup of the theme of this episode that Drake and Betty are similar because they both are into that darkness and have that darkness in them that we've talked about incessantly in the show. And they've said out loud and drawing that contrast with Archie. So it's possible it could not, it could be something that is not insidious, probably preferable for Riverdale. It is something insidious and there is going to be some twist there, but I actually really like the emotional dynamics in this episode and how, Divorced from wherever they're going, they were playing on things that I think, particularly with Drake, went in a very surprising direction. Like Betty saying that she, to Veronica, like intimating that she is interested. Oh, that whole sipping tea thing with her (laughs) smile was absolutely adorable. Yeah, the the whole thing I thought was really well played. And the fact that she's like, 
I'm straight up. I'm not going to cheat on Archie. We are exclusive. She is interested. And it's exactly what we talked about um, in, in the previous the episode. Yeah, she has the dream, but, all of this stuff. And that they end up in a place, too, where, like, I really thought they were going to go through this conversation again of Betty once again saying, I have this darkness in me. And Archie being like, well, all right. And then they leave, but they end up in a very different place. And I think all of that from Drake on down was this new maturity that they're pushing with Riverdale. Now that they are in their adult years, it's very different from the high school years. And I, I think it was nice, like particularly for Riverdale, it was subtle and it was nuanced. and It was well-played. Yeah. Uh, Pete, you're I laughing agree. at me. Why are you yeah, laughing? You're at me? ridiculous talking about how this show is mature and like not insane and not, I think it is, but it's, it's, it's an, there's an emotional maturity to it. And like in this episode, I think Betty does it. She is like, you know, she has the vibes, the whole thing that that uh, Agent Drake brings Mature. to her. I think, I think there's truth they, in that. They had a wedge baby fucking whole seance Not everybody, thing. but actually, not I mean, everybody's if you want to jump mature. over to that, I think even Cheryl is showing an amount of growth and maturity here because she goes into her Cheryl stuff in this episode when she finds out about Tony and Fags getting married. The amount of faces that Madeline Petch pulls after yeah. she sees that was so funny. So and funny. then her reaction to Heather was she's like, what? I'm fine. What are you talking about? I'm doing great. Uh, and that she immediately goes to cursing her. But over the course of the episode, again, I think the way that Madeline Patch is playing her is this is not teen Cheryl anymore. This is a Cheryl who, like, can go through all those emotions and go through the wild swings, but tamp them down and understand this is not the way to treat this stuff. We need to actually grow and change in some way. And I think particularly with that storyline, that's why Shoni is endgame. You know, Cheryl is getting to this point. <laughs> Hold on a where, second. Hold on a second. Yeah, yeah, where Cheryl is this point where she's really grown up, and now that Tony and Fags are getting married and she's with Heather, I think we're leading very slowly to Shoni getting back together. I feel like you, you've you seen Pete and I fight about the ships for so long, and now you're like, well, let me just grab onto this rope, and it's like, oh, no, this rope's covered in oil. I'm slipping all the way down to the bottom of this little rope, because I, like, I love Shoney, so, like, don't, but I thought this episode was putting cold water on Shoney in a way that we haven't seen in quite a while. Take it um, easy with that. Take well, it cold, easy. Water, I, I, cold water is a great way to wake up and, uh, you know. And really? get to kissing. Well, I just thought the, <laughs> I, I just thought the scene with them together where Tony talks about marrying Fangs and then um, she then sees Heather. Like we see them be jealous and overly nice. And I was like, oh, OK, uh, this is a Shoney positive scene. But then later when Cheryl's talking to Heather and she's like, you know, and, and it's being mature and sort of coming clean with her and being like, you know, it did upset me. I really thought I was going to get back and be with Tony. She felt like she had moved on from that feeling in this episode in a way that I was like, oh, I haven't seen that yet. And so I was like, I was surprised about that. And it just means to me, if Shoni is indeed Endgame, it's going to be pushed off to even later in next season. Maybe even after the finale of the show into season eight or something like that. I don't think there's a season. Oh, you mean season eight that happens in your, your My fed little fed brain? Gets. Yeah, <laughs> yes. your little brain upstairs. No, I, yes, I know. I know I'm completely looking at this with shipper glasses because even that thing where Cheryl said exactly the phrase you're calling out, where she was like, I always thought that Tony and I would get back together somehow. I was like, oh yeah, okay, it's yeah. happening. Here we go. Even though obviously you're seeing it in the opposite direction and the story is telling us, no, she's moving on with Heather and Tony is clearly moving on with Fangs. But the fact that they're probably getting married next episode and... 
Percival is calling down biblical plagues on them is like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All the signs are there to tell us that Tony and Fangs are done. So I'm going to throw out one other thing while I'm going on this crazy train here of speculation. So we got a callback with Percival mentioned that Bailey's Comet is coming. And Bailey's Comet was a major feature in the Abigail Thomasina episode, which ended with, mind you, that Fangs descendant, I'm blanking on his name, but Fangs descendant killing Thomasina on their wedding night and then Abigail killing the Fangs descendant. So I don't know. I feel like some stuff is going to go down. I think Ancestor, because that happened in the past, right? Yes. Yeah, okay, great. Yes, I keep sure. saying Descendant instead of Ancestor. I do that every single time. I, I truly was like, wait, Rivervale River vale is in the past. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Because okay, that's what's tricky about this. We uh, all have river brain. Where it's yeah, like, I mean, uh, it is, it is uh, a confusing AF for sure, but I do like the hint that the Bailey's Comet thing and then the upcoming maybe possible wedding is really going to shake things up. And I think, you know, hopefully get uh you know uh shoney back on track well and let's not forget we get a, a cheryl rivervale flash in this episode mm-hmm. as well uh talking about the the um the tonic for the baby so it, it does feel so, like with five episodes left to go and i think we're going to get back to jughead in the bunker where he's hearing the voices next episode i think we're going to start a ramp up whatever that pleading through the universes thing is right. over the next couple of episodes i think let's that has stop. to be the end of this season Let's yeah. just talk about it because, you know, it, we didn't get any Jughead. And I was a little disappointed because there was hints that we were going to get uh, more Dr. Curdle than we normally get. But I felt like I really wanted more of his lecture. I really liked the reveal <laughs> later, but I feel like we got we got a little short change there. On the Curdle front, you're saying? Yeah. Or the Jughead yeah, Interesting. Front. Well, know, Jughead, were like, we didn't get to see it all. It was just like. <laughs> no, no, he was Arch- very briefly. There was a shot of him Archie. in the bunker. Yeah, yeah Archie bunker. was like, oh, yeah, don't worry. Jughead's fine. And then Jughead <laughs> losing his fucking mind. I'm like, Archie, you're a great friend, bro. Well, to be fair, Jughead best. was given the same weight seed-wise as Tabitha eating the smart food. So there you go. Yeah. Um, uh, agreed there. It is funny that you were like, we have to talk about this. And you're, you're, the thing you landed on was Dr. Curdle. I didn't know you uh, were expecting more Curdle. Oh, uh, wouldn't you I, tee it up like we're going to have this whole – Slaughter fest, whatever. I'm like, oh, we're gonna get every so single well, thing that happened with Dr. Curl in this episode was fantastic. Him showing it was up amazing. in his scrubs, dressed up like as a, himself. Exactly. Right? I was like, you can't come into get Cosblazer's self at a <laughs> yeah. slaughter convention. And the very me. quick shot of the lecture, as I mentioned earlier, was so funny. And oh, also him being TBK in Kevin's American Psycho number and th- in the shock on his face when Betty unmasked him, he's like, Hur! Yeah. So funny. So good. Well, and I, the fact that, cause I understand we were mad at Veronica for butting in and um, talking to uh, Agent Drake, but really I was pissed that she pulled Agent Drake from a super informative lecture about autopsy yeah, by yeah. Dr. Curdle. Who knows what she missed out on from that uh, uh, lecture. But uh, yeah, I like her. I mean, to talk about that. Well, let's talk about sort of Kevin in this episode, maybe because um, We've been talking a lot about how him being sort of a, an enemy, sort of a bad guy, essentially, this season is a bummer turn for him. And watching him perform in his songs in this episode, I was like, let's just 
he maybe he can just rather than be a villain, he can just do a straight up banger tune every episode. And that's uh, the Kevin spot, because I thought that was fantastic until the point where they're like, yeah, Kevin's bailing out because he's pissed at <laughs> Betty. He's not Dude, doing his final I number. I wanted that scene so bad. I wanted to see Kevin go off on Betty about ruining his vision. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a hilarious line. And I felt a little robbed that we didn't get to see Kevin deliver that. I mean, getting back to the whole like craziness of so many things going on at the same time in Riverdale, tying into this, one of the funniest lines of the episode to me was after the weird dude who was getting Howl's mementos was kicked out. Betty's mm-hmm. line was, get him out of my sight. I have a show to prepare for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was hilarious. It's like, okay, so you're an FBI agent who's holding a serial killer convention to trap the serial killer that is after you, but also you're going to perform a musical number out and the night after you had a dance party, which you took over for your friend's bachelorette party, where you also performed at. And being an FBI agent is hard. It Mm -hmm. is hard work and nobody talks about it. Well, when people say, oh, that, that actor is a triple threat. What they mean is actor, (laughs) dancer, FBI agent. (laughs) That's what what being a triple threat is. So that's the harder, harder part here. And, Um, also, the guy being like, I bought it on Eastlay was hilarious. Eastlay. Eastlay is good at getting actual memorabilia. The fact that he yeah. was able to purchase both the knife and the gun from Hal. Is Hal not a popular serial killer? He barely killed anybody. I mean, we found out about more killings that he's done this season yeah. from past flashbacks that we did actually on Riverdale. On that note, I was mildly disappointed that we didn't get to see more of the previous season stuff. Like they had this great setup at the beginning where they're running through all the events and they're like, we're going to have a Griffins and Gargoyles game. Uh, we're going to have all of these things that we've seen in previous seasons. And there's little Easter eggs there. There, there's I definitely yeah. saw somebody wearing a bunch of black hood stuff. There was the rabbit yeah. masks from the Stonewall storyline. So all of that yeah. stuff was great, but I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of that throughout the episode, but it's fine. The, while we're talking about that, like the moment where they read the con people onto the floor was such a like, I was like, oh, man, the Comic Con, like when the when it's finally open, you get to run out there. That was such a uh, uh, insane, fun moment. Now, there's lots more to talk about in the episode, but I don't want to wait until the very end here. And I know I might be starting a fight, but I think we can all be civil about it. I did want to talk about the Betty and Archie of it all in the episode, because that's the big emotional thread through here. What? We got to save that fight for later, bro. I mean, that's going to take some time. Yeah, that's why we run out of time. We can jab at all of the other stuff at the end. This doesn't have to be a fight. I have to do a whole rant about baby wedging and like how ridiculous that is. (laughs) No, your your thing is baby wedging when you give wedgies Mm -hmm. to babies because you're uh, a. I mean, we're going to fight about it because he's going to go off on why baby wedgies are the best. And I'm going to say baby swirlies are the best. All right. All right. First off, this show hates babies. All right. The flying, floating babies above fires, the wedging of babies, like the way they use babies in the show is insane. Okay. All right. Let's talk about the Archie. uh, (laughs) I thought this was great. This storyline, the way that they did this, I thought this was really nice showing the differences between Archie and Betty as people really 
honestly making the case for like why maybe they shouldn't be together as they have done several times throughout the show before. And then ultimately having like a real conversation that I thought was really well acted, really well shot, just in terms of like the intense close-ups. Super intimate. Yeah. yeah. That they had on Lily Reinhardt and KJ Appa. I thought that was really well played. The flashbacks that happened throughout that scene as well, I thought were really good and sort of, again, laid out. Like brought us as an audience, or at least me as an audience, up to a place where I was like, they're going to break up. This is a breakup scene. This is 100% yeah. the end of Betty and Archie here. And the fact that they echoed the previous scene that we saw, I think it was last season, where she basically said the same thing, where she's like, I love this darkness in me. You're a light yeah. in the window, all of that stuff. And he was like, okay, cool. Sounds good. Let's break up. Yeah. To parallel that and instead him be like, no, I believe in you. I love you. And laying out way like, she doesn't have all this darkness that she thinks she has and she keeps professing she has and how she's fought back against that. I know a lot of fans have called out there was a very similar conversation that Jughead and Betty had, I think, in season two or season three, something like that. You know, that's a function of the show and a function of having these same conversations about these characters over and over, not to dismiss it. I know people are upset about it today, but I do think the way that this was played and written and uh, that they ended the episode on this emotional thread rather than the big like action climax. Yeah. That was really smart and hard hitting. I was very happy to see it. I think it gave it the weight that, um, that I think the scene deserved in the way that they handled it. Um, okay. Okay. You can uh, go. Pia. Yeah. Uh, so first off, first off the fact that the show is kind of really listening to the argument against these two and for these two is great, right? Because like mm. the audience, feels heard because Betty is literally saying to him, like, I don't show you my whole self. I show you the kind of what I think Archie can handle self. And I don't feel like myself around you. And um, this whole dark Betty thing. And the fact that Jughead and dark Betty work together because Jughead and dark Betty can solve crimes and Jughead's not really afraid of, of dark Betty. He embraces the weird in life. So he's not pushed away from her. But what the interesting argument that they bring up is that dark Betty needs the light. That is Archie, the goodness that is Archie to kind of keep her on track. And this whole thing of like, will she give over to this? you know, because of the gene and because of everything that she's struggling with and her family history and all the cycles that she knows is great. The fact that they are talking about it, it is weighted and it does make sense. And the fact that Archie brings up like, you know, the bird situation is a great example of why these two do work, but it does still give off this platonic kind of thing a little bit that I think the show was good enough to acknowledge and kind of uh, 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 work through. And I think that the fact that like Betty is still kind of sipping tea and being like, oh, my God, Agent Drake clutching her pearls a little bit is an interesting thing of like, where is Betty going to go and what's going to happen? But I think that like as somebody who is team Bughead all day or day, this was great to see at least the discussions that I want to have happen on the show and not just things that I'm talking to you fucking assholes about. So it's like <laughs> great to see it happen. Do I agree yeah. with it? Ah, that's a different discussion, but I do like the idea that 
here is Archie, who is supposed to be the good person, a light of, uh, of for Betty and why they would work together. I really appreciate that, Pete. And I think, like, we just talked about the characters on Riverdale maturing. And I think the characters on this podcast are maturing a lot, too. Oh, fuck. Because yourself. obviously, Pete's <laughs> ah, not that much. Not that much, I guess. Uh, Pete as a character wouldn't swear as much and would still be standing butt at this very moment. But sure, I guess that's just a character choice that the PLP character is making. Uh, I, but I agree with you. Like, they, it, since, since the, um, Betty and Jughead relationship sort of, um, ended, uh, in its time. Temporarily. Betty, Whatever. Yep. Betty has been pulled and sort of the show has pushed her in further into darkness. All the poly stuff, all the TBK stuff that we've been dealing with these past couple seasons. And what I thought was so great about this episode is she's been obsessed with it to the point where we're like, we don't even feel like we understand what she's thinking about most of the time. We're outside of her experience because mostly what she talks about is this darkness. And in this, I thought it was really smart. And we always talk about Archie as this sort of like, scarecrow like what's he doing he just like wanders between different problems he's dealing with and as sort of just this protagonist and i felt like he displayed an emotional maturity that i have we haven't seen from him in a very long time mm-hmm. uh when he was just like hey betty like i respect you i want you to talk to me about this because you're 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 drowning in it but you actually have a great capacity for lightness and like reminds her of that bird story and the way that uh, that lily reinhardt acted in that moment about the bird story like she really didn't know about it and it brought her to tears because she i think did realize like you're saying pete that she does have this great capacity and that archie is what can bring it out of her so i think it just paired them together in a like we give to each other what the other doesn't have way that i thought was beautifully done and ending on that moment like you said alex was just so sweet so i think it was really it's really important for the show i think I also think it's smart because the show talks like instead of just saying like you have this gene or whatever, the fact that she struggles with this, like, is this true? Is this who I am? Can I kind of like break my out of my fate here and, you know, be somebody who is good and not just turn into a monster is an interesting thing for this character to struggle with. And I like the fact that, you know, to other people. And, and when, when she's kind of confronted at that dinner table of like, Hey, let's put on this mask and go kill your brother and mom. It sounds insane, but this thing of like, uh, you know, not only mass, but like dealing with who she is and what she really wants to do and kind of having Archie also kind of uh, uh, be that person who's kind of talking out, uh, who she can become and what she's about is a very kind of interesting thing to have in one episode. I and even if she does slip so. into darkness, she can always just uh, be like Charles and start hanging out again after a couple episodes. <laughs> yeah, one cup of coffee and a you know just a little bathrobe and house. Well, I I think beyond all the couple stuff, and we're talking about this anyway, but the best part about the storyline is it really pushed Betty to a new place of understanding uh, exactly how Archie described it to her that, yeah, you feel like you're making these bad decisions and that's the thing that you're wallowing in, but you make the right decision every time. Like you make things better and get it rewinding into the episode a little bit. I think we mentioned the scene, but... The Betty and Veronica talk in midway through the episode where Veronica is like, I've killed more people than you have in cold blood. Yeah. The key line here was we're all dark in Riverdale. And yeah, 
And it's drawing this line of like the thing that people have pointed out when Betty says things like, Archie, you're a light in the darkness. And then fans watching the show are like, he had a boy gag that went around the town and beat people up. He was trying to make his bones for an entire season. He yeah. was thrown in prison. He fought a bear. Like, even Archie. Well, fi- fighting was, a bear is okay. You can, I mean, yeah, there's a that's, a good, light. that's a good thing. That's a good yeah. thing. Well, I mean, when people you talk go about out doing and good big works, fights with bears, you shouldn't oh, try yeah. to right. pick a fight with a bear. I have a charity a organization called Fights with Bears, and we, uh, for disadvantaged kids who don't have their own bears to fight with, we bring the bears. And you are an awful person to that joke. That was, that was ridiculous. You're showing a lot of pee-pee energy. And I mean that in every, every way possible. <laughs> but I do think that that was a great line. And just that was the overall mission statement of this episode was bringing the absolute worst to Riverdale and then being like, no, we're actually much better than that. And that's the show. There it is. Yeah. Well, they're better it, than that because they were basically like – Here's a gun, Betty. Betty's like, get him out of here. Oh, I'm going to use this. This is going to be super. Oh, of this gun. Well, yeah. always, Family gun. They're always skirting the surface of all of the doing the wrong thing and the terrible things. And is it going to drag them down? That's, I think, almost literally what Jughead said in the narration in the first ever episode of the show is like, there's this darkness under the surface. Is it going to destroy our little town? And, you know, we'll end up yes. at the end of season yes, seven yes. of like, yes or no. And I think the answer is going to be no. And there's going to be this bright tomorrow for the for the town. But we'll see. Pep, we will, be, Pep will return. Yeah. Um, oh like, I honestly thought this was maybe the final stand of Dark Betty. Like, I mm-hmm. think she when uh, TBK offers her the mask and she doesn't take it. I think that was sort of where she first turns. And then Archie really puts the nail in the coffin of sort of Betty in this darkness. I mean, maybe, but, and yes, it should be. But even with all the discussion we're having about how mature the characters have been, also her throwing away the wig was the last stand of Dark Betty. Her no longer doing the nails in uh, her hand was the last stand of Dark Betty. Mm-hmm. So uh, these characters are cyclical. That's the way they work. They're going to constantly fall back onto their bad habits, if you want to call it, or whatever their character traits are that comes from the comics themselves. That's for the TV show. It's just kind of the way it's going to work. So I think, yes, we've ended it for here for this season, potentially, but I wouldn't be surprised if it came back at some point again. How how do we feel about, so we, TVK shot, no mask off, no reveal. Also, like, you got to double tap a fucking serial killer. Everybody knows, you can't just shoot him once and walk away and he's Mm -hmm. dead. Like, come on. You got to double tap them, then you got to fucking check and make I think sure she got tie him. the yeah, fucking. I think given the pool of blood and everything, we're supposed to assume that TBK is 100% dead, at least up until there's a copycat. So, yeah, it was Dennis. Dennis is dead. Uh, double okay. tap. You always well, double tap. And I think this will, this may be a feint because I do think we have, there has to be more to the, the, the TBK story that felt like this was Betty's side of it, but we didn't get the sort of. Full we didn't get on. TVK side of it. We didn't well, not even TVK, <laughs> but like we didn't get a reveal. We didn't get the full like climax of it. This but felt like what are you upset right? that he went? He went to all the trouble of setting up a lovely dinner in a garage, and uh, yeah, you got to finish know. the dinner. <laughs> she did sit down in the last shot we saw. Mm-hmm. Maybe she ate scene. a little bit before she freed Allison Charles and went back in there. I think. I do think this is the end of that part of the TBK. Maybe we will get the eventual reveal of Drake as his daughter or something like that. One last little bit of revenge. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think the idea there was that the mask doesn't matter. Like she said, that 
Betty owned herself. It was this external force that was working on her. She did put it behind her, and now she's ready to move on it's, with Archie and the rest of her life. It, almost like Betty came off of saying, like, if you have to wear a mask, like, you're lying. You know what I mean? Like, you should be mm-hmm. who you really are. And, wear, and doing the whole mask thing is kind of like she thought it was lame. And re, you know what I mean? Like, it was this weird thing of, like, masks you know like it was an interesting kind of stance to take on it well and i think also the other thing i was trying to think through what would be satisfying taking off his mask you know and in that moment i kept expecting like here we go he's gonna take off his mask there's gonna be a big reveal it's gonna be betty like we suspected and darth vader style yeah darth vader style it's gonna be dr curdle and i'm gonna be very upset about it it's gonna be charles somehow even though he's tied up inside uh it's gonna be dennis and that's disappointing in its own way so like i i think any taking off of the mask would have been more disappointing than not taking off the mask, which at least thematically tied into the episode. I agree in this episode. I yes. do think we will get some sort of more conversation about that in the next episode, because I think taking the mask off would have taken some power away from the the Barchi scene at the very end. And I'm glad mm-hmm. we got to give that all its due. I did want to shout out the song that Betty sings. I thought was awesome. Reminded me so much of uh, Twin Peaks. There's a lot of I feel like all that last scene with Betty and Archie was sort of mm-hmm. uh, in the in the style of uh, a lot of Twin Peaks stuff as well. Uh, what else? I feel like we've probably we got to talk about the Tabitha uh, Archie Union thing. The really amazing use of the song uh, Bread Roses, uh, which is an old school uh, uh, a song about, you know, uh, rights for workers. And, uh, I, you know, it was very moving and, and like such a kind of like cool thing of like Uncle Frank being like, what's the guitar for? And uh, they kind of. Uh, you know, broke out this very powerful song that immediately kind of like uh, changed everything. And I, you know, this show is insane, but it was also pretty cool to see them uh, kind of have that moment. Yeah. I think contrasting everything that I said earlier, this is using the supernatural plot stuff for good, in my opinion, just that moment of fangs. And then the other guy who's been featured pretty heavily that I'm forgetting the name of just, having the spell break and walk away towards their families. I thought that was really nice. Uh, And also I like the moment of Percival kind of elevening out when he uses his powers too much. Gets that nosebleed. Yeah. Gets that nosebleed. And we kind of figure out that, yeah, there is, there's a weakness to this guy. So that I think he's going to amp it up in the next couple of episodes and turn into full on Thanos. But at the same time, we know that there is a way to beat him, which is fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to see, cause he has sort of progressed this season, getting more and more powerful to see him have a little bit of weakness in the last couple episodes. And Tabitha and Archie finally getting some wins in here is really good. Um, and um, the fact that they allowed all of the workers to eat for free at pops is great. Really nice. Probably not the healthiest choice. They should eat more smart yeah. food. Uh, ooh, that's very good for you. It's made out of corn and cheese. So you're getting your dairy and vegetables. Yes, you've got to get your powdered cheese in <laughs> the top of the food pyramid. Pete, you wanted to go on a rant about colic, if I remember correctly, or wedging babies, or did yeah, you already but, do that? Uh, he, yeah, there I think was he a, stuck it in. 
Okay. There was a moment where me and Kevin were on the same page where he was like, hey, I think we've got a little too far with this whole, uh, you know, uh, maybe putting babies in danger and, and, mm-hmm. and wedging babies. It, it feels like, uh, you know, it's one thing to put a you know curse on some people, but, um, you know, another thing if you're like hurting an innocent baby there. So uh, I felt like that was kind of like a I was just like, man, this show fucking hates babies. And also, like, I'm glad to see Kevin being like, yo, uh, I guess teaming up with Cheryl is not a good idea because I'm not sure where her lines are, but she does not give a fuck. And uh, no, no, no. She totally does give a fuck. Her line was hurting baby Anthony. And as soon as she realized that she quickly reversed, she brought in Heather. She fixed it. Um, I just wanted to mention that the only baby wedges I like are baby bells. Wanted to throw that out there. Nice. Great. Uh, Cheeseheads out there. um, Get on board. Um, Don't cast a spell when you're upset. Exactly. I thought that was really nice, too. And that ties into what we were talking about just in terms of the maturity here and the fact that Heather tells her that she listens and says, "Okay," And that is part of her emotional growth. So I thought that was really good to see other moments from the episode that you guys want to call out in particular. Um, Just real quick on this, the. the Chanel and brand high end brand song. Uh, it was very, very funny. The absence flowing. Katie Keene sends some dresses over. Very oh, strange. Yeah, the, Katie a- shot up. the agent Drake was also there. <laughs> like, it's like, let's have a Tony's bachelorette. Drake, you gotta come. <laughs> yeah, she was very involved in the con. It made sense to me as much as anything else. Uh, I do yeah. think, we didn't actually talk about Betty and Drake too much. I know that they ended up in a place where it's very professional. Um, they do have heat between them. I'm just going to throw yeah. that out there. So I feel like there's more to come even past this love confession, potentially. Well, especially if uh, this kind of TBK is dead, then, you know, I think Drake will play a bigger part. But also the oh, I'm sorry if I could move on to some I want to talk Go about for it. <laughs> there was this part where That's like, how podcasts work. All right. Well, yeah. Kevin's, you know, having his moment and I loved every time we got to see him singing and dancing because it's nice to have Kevin finally have something before it's ruined. But the fact that why is the trash bag killer a part of this musical and (laughs) you got to give Betty a heads up like, hey, just so you Mm -hmm. know, like, I know we're all looking for the the serial killer, but I'm going to have a serial killer come in dressed up just like the one that we're looking for. You yeah. got to give somebody hands up on that. The fact Kevin's that Kevin edgy. is like, he's edgy theatrical Betty, you're performer. Ruining my vision. It's like, what is your vision? Cap? I would yeah. have liked to know a little bit of what we were going for in this moment. Um, I remember trash bag killer being in American psycho. Uh, a ton, <laughs> yeah, so it I definitely was a late game. Man. Yeah. I, I just thought part. it was funny in that yeah, same yeah. tip. I thought it was funny when um, there's like a million knives. Everyone has a knife. And Betty somehow was like, get that guy. He's got a knife that we should check on. Yeah. And <laughs> literally everyone on stage is like pretending to stab Kevin. And they're like, this guy's got a troubling knife. Um, and it was well, they were right. Also, I mean, how do was, you sign a knife? Do you sign the handle? You can't sign the blade. That doesn't matter. I sign the blade. Well, oh, it's a knife that you're not. You're retiring that knife once it's autographed. Okay. Yeah. But then you can't cook with it. When you get when someone signs an autograph or on a piece of paper, are you like, well, I'll make my grocery list on this too? <laughs> you put it on the side of it. You retire the paper. Yeah, that's it. That's what it's. That's yeah. that's what it's for. Is the autograph? What you don't did need you guys think? You're so low wait, on knives. You're like, wait, wait, wait. wait I'm gonna wait, change wait. the subject for a second. Uh, no, what, no. I want to go back to this. Yeah. So Benny's in the crowd and like she's scanning for everybody, but then the hooded guy beelines for her, and I was just like. 
but why are you going at this guy? Like, where is Archie? Where, you know, it ended up being okay, but man, the stress that uh, Betty kind of like just throws herself into uh, danger without a plan sometimes really, really gets to me uh, because it's like, sometimes she's very thought out and other times she's just kind of like, I don't know, I'll sing and he'll show up. So it's like, it's, Sometimes it's a it little worked, kind uh, of emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to call out and uh, see what you guys thought about the painting that Cheryl made for Heather of them as the creepy twins from The Shining. What yeah, lovely. <laughs> yeah, very nice. I thought it was great. I liked that they matched the shot after they kissed mm-hmm. uh, to the, the painting. Again, the paintings in the show are just absolutely Phenomenal. magical. Just <laughs> I would and 100% go to a gallery showing of the stuff from Riverdale. Oh my god, uh, no, yeah. Dude, I would we got to own. Like we should own a painting from this. Mm-hmm. If like when, Riverdale... we know in an episode we recorded last summer, I believe, we talked to um the production designer and uh, she told us about uh, the artist that made the painting. So go back and listen to that if you're curious. Yeah. But I would um, just love that if we, there was like a touring installation of the Riverdale uh, paintings. I would definitely pay money to go what see What are you, that. crazy? You know there's inevitably going to be murders happening as the gallery showing is traveling around the country. <laughs> oh, <laughs> You're inviting death. Oh, oh One wow. other little note that I thought was really subtle and really smart, and I forget the line that Betty was singing under it, but when she's in her bedroom – texting Archie and she looks across and sees TBK oh. there in her bedroom. Wow. There was a line that was kind of like, like light in the window or something like that. And it was totally a riff on the boy, the, that season one line about like, and the boy looked at the girl across the yeah. way thing, but in reverse, which again, I thought was just like a subtle echo of stuff that happened in Riverdale before that I thought was very nice. And really was a cool way of sort of paying off the thing you talked about, the will they, won't they of it. And like this odd, like romantic thing that some people were trying to attach to TBK and Betty, um, even though it doesn't feel like it's actually there in their uh, in when they confront each other. It feels like just a game. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. That was very cool. Well, just to talk about that for a second, because I know I was joking about it at the beginning of the episode. I think the idea there is that is how TBK feels down to the point where he's like, it's going to end with us putting masks on and a kiss or whatever that line was. So that's clearly from his perspective. I think what Betty is feeling is, is this what I feel? You know, not people keep telling me this and that I am going into the darkness. So is that the thing I feel? And ultimately, the thing that we land at at the end of the episode is Archie telling her no, stop it. That's not how you act. That's not how you feel. That's not who you are. That's not what you do. And so like we're talking about, hopefully that takes her to another stage of her emotional evolution. But after, you know, that insane sit down with her mom and the fact that uh, TBK was like, do you want to murder your mom? It was kind of like, maybe Betty would be like, yeah, that was horrible. But, you know, the fact that she held restraint there was really impressive. I also wanted to talk real quick. There was one line from Archie's talk with, Betty, I did write barf emoji, but uh, the fact that like to the fact that like you know you sometimes wrote when, barf emoji, yeah, sometimes <laughs> you when take it farther and write hashtag barfy. Uh, sometimes when you're watching like a romantic movie or, or, or TV show, there'll be these lines that the characters say that seem so like romantic and amazing, but nothing like the character. And the fact that Archie talked about Betty being a fighter and something that he sees in people that he kind of is himself, I thought was pretty cool. This across the board, all of the moments of him being like uncomfortable with the con and being like, yeah, I don't know. This is weird to me. 
this was the most consistent Archie episode we've had in a really long time, where it really felt like they were absolutely nailing the character across the board. I was very happy about that. Very happy to see yeah. it. Um, all right. Before we wrap up here, who is the MVP this episode? I think this is probably an easy one, so I'll kick it over to Pete first. Who was MVP? Betty Alday or Dick. Nice. He's not even, not even saying it properly, just to speed yeah. it through the whole thing. Cut himself off. Yes. There you go. Um, Justin? I got to give it up for Archie in this episode. I thought, like you just said, it was a great Archie episode. He was super consistent and I feel like really in touch with himself and able to contextualize their relationship in a smart, loving way right at the right when he needed to. Yeah, I, I, right. Just one thing, though, we want since we're talking about Archie, where the fuck was he? He was supposed to meet Betty back at her house and then she wasn't there and had to deal with the fucking TBK all by herself, and then Archie just shows up? Like, where the fuck were you? you I think he mean? was getting Pops the text before that. I didn't see what she texted, but he texted <laughs> something like, actually, I'm thinking I kind of want Pops. So yeah, he's go. hungry. He's hungry a lot. He has a lot. He has to manage mm-hmm. fighting. Disappeared at a super important time, is all I'm saying. Yeah. He's also, he teaches stuff at school, too, apparently, in the RROTC. Yeah, um, sometimes, sometimes. I'm going to give it up to Veronica in this episode since what? you guys took the... I know, I'm what sorry. What are you talking about? I'm loving Veronica this season. I think she is straightforward. She's saying what, what she's was that conversation she's doing what she, she needs to do. She had with Drake. What are you talking about? She that goes, was a little hey. too far. But all of her conversations <laughs> with Betty were so good. And again, so mature just in terms of laying out like not being like you're with Archie and I hate that, which I think a lesser show would do, but instead being like, I've fucked up my relationship with Archie. Here's some of the ways I did it. Plus Reggie. I mean, These are she problems saves... that I had that I could have gone in a different direction. Don't make the same mistakes that I did. And I thought that was great. Her laying out how she dealt with Drake was the right way to do it. And, you know, she's a powerful businesswoman who knows how to strike a pose at the end of a bachelorette party, dance party at a slaughter con. Okay. All right, all right. <laughs> but wait, there's way too much shit that you said there. Okay. So that first was off, literally beat poetry. You were just doing for a second. <laughs> first off, Veronica coldly talking about like dead bodies, like they're gross uh, trash wrappers that get on her property was insane. And then the fact that she then is like, yo, I murder people daily like you need to get your shit together before you can call yourself dark and then was like uh yeah we're gonna have a murder con whatever i don't give a fucking shit about anybody but the fact that she was amazing and saves betty and archie's relationship was so out of character and so out of left field from everything that she's been doing all app i was like Holy shit, Veronica's all over the place. The fact that you were like, I think it was so consistent with everything she has been doing all season. She has given no fucks about any of this stuff, including the personal picking stuff, where she's like, stop it. Let me run my casino, do this, live my life, and move on. And I think that's great. Is this a new segment? Where we say our MVPs and then go in on each other about <laughs> just like absolutely trash bag kill each other from there. Yeah, this is PLP's MVP. Yeah, TKO. Yeah, 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 you ran out of, I don't know, uh, I ran out of yeah. letters there. There's no more letters. You said all the letters. Oh, yes, I did. Oh, and if you would like to support 
this <laughs> patreon.com slash comic book club also we do a live show every tuesday night at 7 p.m to crowdcast and youtube come back out we'd love to chat with you about riverdale apple spotify stitcher or the app of your choice to subscribe listen and follow the show at riverdale dark on twitter riverdale after on instagram riverdale after dark on facebook comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more until next time we'll see you after dark I thought we knew how to party in Greendale, but you Riverdale girls.